Yeah, so as Steve's already said, and as the slide showed, um, we're thinking a bit about comparison this morning. Um, comparison is one of those things that I, I'm sure we talked about in our group. Um, it, it's a bit of a sort of mixed feast, really. I, I, you know, there's, there's inevitably positive forms of comparison, but what I find, and what I think is often many people's stories, that comparison is often the thing that has the capacity to tip into the negative and to kind of be a toxifying thing in our lives. And so I just want to look at a couple of um, stories of scripture that we've had read and see what they might teach us. So um, we heard this reading from 1 Samuel of um, King David, uh, sorry, King Saul and um, David, the man who will be king. Um, and it's a really interesting story because, you know, at the beginning of this story, we've got David, who's just been kind of taken in um, post uh, kind of David and Goliath this great victory, taken into kind of Saul's uh, household, into his kind of, you know, into the inner sanctum, and and quickly is becoming, you know, this really trusted figure. You know, he's got this really tight relationship with Jonathan, surely something that's, you know, a real positive. Um, You know, it says whatever mission Saul sent David on, you know, David was successful. In fact, he was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank. I mean, Saul is clearly pretty pleased with this. This is helpful. This is, you know, pushing the kingdom of Israel, you know, forward. This is, this is good, a good news story, right? And of course, stuff starts to unravel. Um, And it says, when the men were returning home after David killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul, was singing and dancing with joyful songs, with tambourines and lyres. You know, they're celebrating Saul, they're celebrating Israel's victory. And the song they sing is Saul has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. Now, um, you know, putting to one side the kind of bloodlust aspects of this uh, um, story, you know, there's a real like celebration of Saul going on here. People are celebrating Saul as this king who's, you know, led them in victory, who's, you know, killed many thousands. And they're also celebrating David, who has, as Saul has recognised, because he's kept promoting him, killed tens of thousands. You know, he's this amazing military leader. What a gifted military leader this guy is. And and Saul's response isn't one of, oh, what a blessing. You know, I've got this guy in charge of my military who's on it. You know, he everything he goes and does, he wins. We're so blessed to have him around. No, Saul is threatened why it says you know Saul's very angry the refrain displeased him greatly they've credited David with tens of thousands he thought but me with only thousands like what does Saul do he compares himself he compares himself to David and what happens he comes off worse He comes off worse. He hears the comparison that others are making and he comes off worse and he internalizes that in a kind of inadequate kind of insecurity. And it it begins this just unfolding in Saul that he he just seems to be ripped by this kind of inferiority complex that he carries with him. David becomes a threat. This person who we know wasn't a threat to Saul because there's multiple times, even though David is anointed king, where David could have taken the kingship, where David could have bumped Saul off. 
and he doesn't. Instead of embracing, you know, David is this amazing person who can play this incredible role within Saul's household and in, in, in the kind of um, nation of Israel. Saul sees him as a threat because he, because he compares himself and comes off worse and it makes him insecure. I wonder how often we've done that. We've heard someone saying how wonderful someone else is. Maybe it's something that we think we're good at. Maybe it's something that we're not, don't particularly think we're good at, but it makes us feel a bit small and a bit rubbish. Or maybe we've just looked at someone else in one way, shape or form and seen their giftedness in a certain area of life. And we've seen our own and we've just gone, oh. And, and, and instead of that being a celebration of that person or a, a challenge, it's ended up just becoming something that makes us feel rubbish about ourselves. We think, oh, I'm, I'm not... I'm not up to all that. I'm a bit inadequate. I can't do, I can't do, I'm not good enough. I'm not like those people. You know, they're the people God really uses. I'm not because I can't do that. I'm just, I'm just me. The second story we looked at in Luke, if I just flip over, um, we've got a similar thing going on, but a slightly different outcome. There's this Pharisee who, um, is uh, at the temple and um, he's praying and his prayer is really interesting um, you know he says God I thank you I thank you that I'm not like other people um, you know those robbers those evildoers those adulterers or even like that man over there that tax collector what a terrible person he is I'm not like them so praise the Lord I'm doing really well. I fast twice a week. Look at me. I give a tenth of all I get. And then you've got this contrast. There's this tax collector who's standing at a distance. The tax collector who the Pharisee's just been talking about. And the tax collector doesn't even look up to heaven. He almost feels like he can't face God. He beats his breast and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man rather than the other went home justified before God. The Pharisee, what's he doing? He's justifying himself by comparing himself to others. And here's the rub. He's probably right in part. He's not a robber. He's not, um, uh, an, he might not be an evildoer. He might not be an adulterer. He may well fast a bit more than some other people. He may well give a tenth of all he gets and other people might only give, um, you know, might give less than that. You know, he may well even be better than the tax collector. But, but the problem is, is that in comparing himself, he's blinded himself to what he still has to grow into. And it's become this kind of like self-congratulation that has actually ended up stopping him from seeing where he can grow in God. And in contrast, the tax collector isn't comparing himself negatively um, or positively to others at all. He's comparing himself before a holy God. And before a holy God, there is always more to kind of grow into. And the tax collector kind of, in many ways, is expressing an honesty about his true state. But in doing that, He's um, got the capacity to step in further into freedom that God will bring in his life because he's open to it, because he can see where he needs to grow. Um, 
comparisons one of those things that I think we do all the time um uh you know we're, we're always doing we're always making little comparisons and I think where can comparison can become a negative toxifying thing is where comparison locks us in a status quo and it does that in one of two ways you know it it, it either does that in a kind of a pride like the um Pharisee in this story that blinds us it blinds us to seeing actually the growth that God wants to bring in our life because we look at other people and we think well I'm my prayer life's a bit better than theirs but we don't therefore see how actually maybe God might want to grow us in that and grow us into deeper intimacy with him maybe we look at other people and we think well I'm a bit more patient with them than them and so we think well I'm all right then but it stops us from seeing actually how God might want to grow patience in us or compassion or generosity or love you know when we compare ourselves to others in that way it blinds us and ends up kind of locking us in a status quo. On the flip side, the other extreme is kind of what we um, saw in the life of Saul. You know, it, it brings a kind of a negative comparison that, that crushes us, that makes us feel rubbish and inadequate, that kind of corrupts our soul and makes us feel like we're no use, we're no good. And, and what that might result in might not be quite as extreme as Saul, but generally isn't positive. I think the issue at the heart of it is when we make a comparison with someone else, where we lose sight of the fact that we are not the same. Um, you know, there's that kind of old adage, isn't there, about apples and pears. You know, if you compare apples to pears, like, you know, what's better? Um, well, how can you say, you know, is this a, a tastier apple or a tastier pear? Well, how do you know? They're different. They taste different. They're different they're, still, they're both fruits. There's a commonality, but there's a difference. And that's true of us as humans. There's commonality, but there's also difference. You know, God has created every single one of us uniquely. He's put within us different gifts. He's put within us different graces. Um, he's put within us different personalities. Some of us are funny. Some of us aren't so funny. Some of us are really confident. Some of us aren't so confident. Some of us um, you know, have gifts in one area, some have gifts in another. That's not a bad thing. That's part of how he's made us. I think the danger is when we compare ourselves to somebody else and we don't remember that we are unique, we are comparing ourselves to the wrong thing because we're comparing ourselves to something we never should become because we should never become exactly like someone else because God hasn't created us like someone else. He's created us like us. And what I think Jesus wants for us is for us to become fully the people that he has created us to be. He wants you to step fully into the gifts that he's given you to have, not the gifts he's given someone else to have. And maybe in the world, those gifts are valued more than yours, but that doesn't make them of any less value. Um, the reality is that nobody else in this entire world can ever be you. No one else in this entire world will ever bring what God has placed within you to bless this world other than you. If you are trying to be like someone else, if you are you know, falling under a kind of a spirit of inadequacy in comparison to someone else, you, you're kind of in many ways robbing the world of the blessing that actually you being fully you is. When you try to be someone that you're not, you actually kind of rob the world of what God has put within you and what he has put within every single one of us.
is is something to be a blessing in this world. And what he wants for every single one of us is for us to use that. It will be different to others. And that's a good thing. We will stack up negatively alongside other people in some ways. And that's actually sometimes a good thing because it means that we're embracing who he's made us to be. And so how do we live in this world without kind of pridefully kind of reassuring ourselves of how good we are because we're not like that person um or kind of laboring under a kind of sense of failure that stops us from fully becoming the people that god made us to be i think the answer is just ever so simple but it's we've got to keep our eyes on jesus like whenever there's a comparison that happens someone else makes it we make it The first thing we've got to do in that, I think, is we've got to keep looking back to Jesus. He is the only one who can trust the truth about ourselves. Nobody else can, because nobody else knows you like he does. You don't even know you like he does. Um, We need to constantly be looking to him, spending the time with him and asking him to show us, Lord, who am I? Who have you made me to be? Um, You know, if you're feeling inadequate, Ask him, Lord, you know, I, I feel a bit rubbish. Like I, I, I can't do that like that person. But take that to him and allow him to show you that maybe that's because that's not how he's wired you to be. You know, where you're tempted to kind of say, oh, I'm, you know, so pleased that I'm not like those other people. Well, maybe you're not, but come to Jesus, look to him and let him show you where he's wanting to bring growth and life and transformation in your life. Um, because otherwise I think we blind ourselves and we miss it. We've got to keep looking to Jesus, keep looking to Jesus and keep looking to Jesus because it's in him and him alone that we see God. And it's in him and him alone that we see who we are truly as human beings. So let's compare more to him than to others. And in doing so experience more of the life that he's pouring out ever in oceans of grace over us. Shall I pray? Jesus, thank you so much for every single one of us. Thank you that every single person here on this uh, call, um, and thank you that you have made them deliberately, carefully, intentionally, that you have placed within every single one of us gifts and uniqueness personality beauty and every single one of us looks different every single one of us expresses that in a different way but it it all has the potential to be this beautiful kind of harmonious symphony when those those instruments that are all of us kind of sing at once together being completely who we are and lord i pray that you would just break off of any of us where we have entered into a kind of negative spirit of comparison i pray that where we have compared ourselves pridefully lord that you would just in your kindness reveal to us the truth about ourselves lord where we have compared ourselves negatively in, in a way that's led to inadequacy lord that you would just speak a truer and better word over us to tell us who we really are, to affirm the goodness um, that's within us um, and to kind of correct us where we've not seen um, what that is. 
Jesus, I pray that you bless us and I pray that you constantly keep drawing us back to you, to the author of truth, to the author of life um, and keep bringing us ever increasingly deeper into your ways of love and life and intimacy with you, I pray. Amen.